Over the Wall podcast coming at you. New Orleans Saints are rolling once again, but big news is that Drew Brees is out. Now, do I think he's out for a while? Probably a month. Jameis Winston in for the Saints at quarterback. I'm going to make you feel good about it. I'm going to give you some optimistic outlook on Jameis Winston at the quarterback position for the Saints moving forward and why I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Why I don't think it's going to be a big drop-off because I think he's very talented. So we'll talk about the Saints. We'll talk about LSU. Are they going to play this weekend? As I'm podcasting right now, it's Friday morning. There has been word the game could very well get postponed. What does that mean for LSU? What does that mean for their players moving forward, their motivation for the rest of the season? On some of those notes, we'll do an NCAA top five, my top five teams. We'll also do quarterback comparisons. So Mac Jones, Alabama, and Kyle Trask are pretty much the two guys vying for the Heisman Trophy right now. I've been hearing comparisons with the 2019 Joe Burrow season. Okay, we're going to talk about those comps, all right? We're going to have some fun with it. We're also going to hit on some NFL notes. I'll do our top 10, but I'm going to give you a good segment on the rookie quarterbacks. And like I said, some comps, right? We like to talk about quarterbacks. We got Herbert, we got Burrow, we got Tua. And I'm going to tell you what I think of the three moving forward, what's the future, some kind of disheartening news with Joe Burrow, at least in my opinion, and what I see moving forward. So it should be fun. Let's dive into it. Let's hit on the New Orleans Saints. Let's go two weeks ago. Huge win against Tampa. We've talked about it. That was a big win for them, announcing their presence back to NFL, saying, look, we're Super Bowl contenders, putting everybody on notice. After a sluggish start to the season where you didn't really know where the Saints stood, people believed Tampa was the team to beat in that division. Now, fast forward. This past weekend, San Francisco comes to town. San Francisco is totally beaten up by injuries. The Saints get off to a sluggish start, and we'll obviously get to the big news of Drew Brees. But the defense played extremely well down the stretch. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson played extremely well. I'm not too sure of the injury that he sustained. It looked like an arm injury, but I'm not too sure what's going to happen there. They looked really good, and they're getting better and better each week, especially developing a really good pass rush. So that's a very, very positive sign for the Saints. Now, the, the big news, obviously, is Drew Brees. And it's weird because we've seen this two years in a row, but this this seems more of a significant injury, so to speak, rather than the thumb injury we saw last year. So apparently he had three fractured ribs the week before. It's kind of what I'm starting to follow. And the hit by Contavious Street, the defensive lineman for San Francisco, caused another multiple fractures and a collapsed lung. And, and, and another side note, this, this is – you know, what aggravates me. It's like, I'm not a meathead guy and I can't stand meathead. So whenever I hear people complain, bitch and cry about uh, roughing the passer and just, you know, anything like that, unnecessary roughness, that's why. We're trying to change the game. We're trying to get in a good direction. You know, guys are already sustaining injuries left and right, and they're still throwing flags for unnecessary roughness, all right? So, you know, if you want to see 1980s football, then I don't know what to tell you. It's not going to happen, okay, because they want the game to evolve, okay? They don't want to see guys' legs keep falling off or situations like this where you have a superstar quarterback and a ratings driver, right? People want to watch Drew Brees. Now he can't play because he suffered a, a big hit from a defensive lineman. And so that's a, that's a, that's an argument I've always hated is the, the unnecessary roughness. Stop being a meathead, okay? Because I guarantee you 50% more than that who were watching that game were, were pissed off for the flag and probably said, oh, put a skirt on him, right? That That's uh, that's pussy stuff right there. But the reality is, I mean, the man collapsed his damn lung. I mean, seriously, let's let's 
let's get serious here. Okay, tough guy. But that was just a side note. Now, with the Breeze injury, like I said, we see this, we've seen this last year. And I'll kind of make some comparisons when we talk about Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston. Now, let, let's talk about that. Jameis Winston's a more talented quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. Just is. I think Teddy Bridgewater was a good placeholder. And, you know, was not mistake prone. That was the biggest difference. And that's the biggest difference between Winston and Breeze. They're two different quarterbacks. Okay. So people who are going to judge Jameis Winston after what they saw Sunday, you're totally wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. The Saints had the game in the bag. They were by far the better team on Sunday. So there was no need to put Jameis Winston in there and, you know, let him go deep and, and do all these crazy things. You had the game won. Plus, the game plan is different with Drew Brees than it will be with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is an explosive quarterback, can stretch the field. Drew Brees is not. Drew Brees is precision, accuracy, short game passing. That's kind of like the opposite of Jameis Winston, which is kind of the funny thing about it. But Jameis Winston will have success within this offense. Teddy Bridgewater has success. And I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is a bad quarterback, but he's very limited. Jameis Winston is not. Now, the big question has always been, can he avoid turnovers? Sean Payton, that's his thing. You know, see, Bruce Arians was the coach of Tampa Bay when, when Jameis went 30 for 30, the interceptions. Look, that's his thing as well, is you know, let it loose. That's the opposite of Sean Payton. Jameis Winston is going to be a little more conservative. Now, there were a couple things that I, I thought were a little concerning with Jameis Winston that I saw in this game. And like I said, I'm not going to take too much away from him. But the only things I took away from him is I never loved this throw in motion. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm Tom House and, and break down guys mechanically. But it is a weird, clunky throwing motion. I will say that. And there were a couple balls that he sailed, which which is alarming because I'm an accuracy guy. I love accuracy. I've watched Drew Brees for 15 years. Accuracy is huge. So what are my expectations moving forward? He's going to have success. And I'll say this. My biggest takeaway from the whole situation, and because it's funny because, you know, I, I like to listen to national media, whether it be a podcast or, you know, uh, just any, you know, live radio show or television show on ESPN, FS1. And it's crazy to see people overreact, right? You know, because they're not watching your team on a daily basis. Drew Brees is, is, a, is a, a good quarterback at this point. Maybe top 10, but more along the lines of top 15. You love to have him in the lineup, though, for, you know, how can I say this? Cerebrally, is that even a word? But the guy just has it upstairs, and I love him at the helm. But it's not a detriment. If this happened four or five years ago, I'd be like, okay, the Saints are done, right? Drew Brees isn't that same guy. Now, would I love to have Drew Brees down the stretch run? Yes. Do I think Drew Brees needs to play to win a Super Bowl? Hell yes. But. There are several factors that I'm not going to be alarmed by this. Jameis Winston, like I said, can play. And then Sean Payton's going to put him in positions to be successful. There's no doubt about it. Sean Payton's one of the best offensive minds in the game. They will have success. Period. End of story. Teddy Bridgewater has success. Jameis Winston will have success. This is a damn good football team. Defense is really good. And you have playmakers on the offensive side of the football. So that doesn't even worry me at all. Really good offensive line as well. Really good. So those are some things that he can work with. Also, let's look at the schedule. I mean, the schedule really plays into the same favor. When you got Atlanta coming up at home, Atlanta's not, not a very good football team. I know people are starting to get a little high on him. 
on Atlanta because they've won a couple games here. They're still not a great team. Then you get Denver on the road. Now, the only thing that would worry you is the weather. But once again, Drew Brees isn't the quarterback. Jameis Winston has plenty of arm strength. And and not just the weather, but the high altitude in Denver. But look, Denver's a team that if they lose this weekend, the wheels may very well fall off, especially in this COVID year when, when you're going through all these protocols. Things can fall off very easily in the NFL and college football. And so I, I would kind of expect that. That's a game that seems to be favored in. Then you get Atlanta again. And then Philadelphia on the road, who knows what they're going to be. You'll probably be favored in Philadelphia. You get four games in a row right there, and you're going to be favored to win those football games. I'll take it. And you'll probably even be favored with Jameis Winston at the helm. This isn't like you're putting in Luke McCown or something from the old days or Chase Daniel. Guy can play. I still say Jameis Winston was one of the better college quarterbacks. He's definitely top three, top four in my opinion, that I've ever seen. I mean, he was a dominant football player in college. And I still think he can be a really good quarterback, which which brings another point that this is actually a good thing for two reasons. Now, the good thing right here, because I, I go back to 2018 with Drew Brees. They were damn good and got the number one seed. But you saw at the end of the year, I felt like his arm was getting tired and they couldn't push the ball downfield. Not that they were doing that a lot anyways, but they weren't pushing the ball downfield like they normally were. And I think that's because older age, the guy had a major shoulder surgery 15 years ago. I think that was wearing on him. And you saw last year, I thought he was pretty fresh at the end of the year when he had that time off. That's another thing that I think can help uh, just his arm overall is give him a couple weeks to be fresh. And I know the ribs are going to be a, situ- a, a situation you have to overcome, but I think that'll ultimately be fine. And the shoulder will be a little fresher. Also, it's his last year. He's done, in my opinion. He's done, especially with this injury. I think it's over. This is his last year. He's done. So the big question moving forward that all Saints fans want to know is who's the next quarterback? Well, here you go. Jameis Winston now has an opportunity to show you, to show the organization that you know he could be the guy. And he could very well be. We'll see. But this is, a, is something we shall see. It's exciting to watch. Ultimately, like I said, you get four games, you're going to be favored. You then get Kansas City at home. I think it's December 20th. Very tough game, right? Saints will probably lose that game, even if you know, Drew Brees was at, you know, behind, uh, behind center. But then you get Minnesota, Christmas Day, and then Carolina. Last game of the season. Once again, I- I'll continue to say this. The Saints will be favored in every game except for one, even with Jameis Winston at quarterback. So don't listen to anybody panicking, you know, in the national media saying the Saints are done. Drew Brees out. Saints no shot. Saints are going to be fine, man. Saints right now, in my opinion, are not a quarterback driven team where the quarterback is so dominant that if he's out, you're done. First off, your backup is one of the better backups in the league, if not the best. And like I said, you're not quarterback driven. If Mahomes is out in Kansas City, you got a problem. You do. You know, if Rodgers is out in Green Bay, uh-oh, season is over. It's not the case right here. And we saw it last year when Teddy Bridgewater stepped in and did a damn good job. And I expect Jameis Winston to do the same exact thing. Bold prediction. Okay. I believe the Saints – and look, it's, it's, it's tough because of the NFL. And we've seen even last year when the Saints lost to Atlanta at home and wouldn't even close. That was just an odd game. Odd things can happen. But I do think now that with Winston at, at, at the helm, they're going to be ready to play, just like you saw with Teddy Bridgewater, where their focus every week was on you know extreme high. 
because they knew that they couldn't afford to make mistakes. And they had to be really, really good. I expect them to be dialed in the next four weeks. And I keep saying four weeks because, I mean, you could get Drew Brees back after that. My expectation is that Saints win the next four games. I think they're going to look good. Now, are they going to dominate? We'll see. But I I kind of expect Drew Brees to come back for that Kansas City game or the Minnesota game on Christmas Day, right? Back to bet on it, I might see him coming back for Minnesota Christmas Day. That'd be a good marker for me. Without a shadow of a doubt, he's going to come back in the regular season because he's going to play in the postseason. He will, period, point blank. He has to get some regular season games under his belt before he gets to the postseason. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think you expect to see him, like I said, the 20th of December, or the 25th, obviously Christmas Day, against Minnesota. That's my expectations. Big picture. I think Saints lose to Kansas City regardless, but I think they win the rest of the games. And I think they finish really strong. And this will not be something that's going to derail this season. NFL Weekly Top 10. Let's do it. Before we get into it, let's hit on a couple of NFL topics that I find intriguing. Let's start off with the rookie quarterbacks. Tua got his first couple starts, so now he's kind of in the mix with Herbert and Burrow. So let, let, let's touch on these guys because it's, it's always fun to kind of, you know, put your foot in the ground and really go with one of these guys, right? Kind of rank them, so to speak, and, and see where the trajectory of their career is going to go. So let's start with Tua, right? Because with the NFL, this isn't like basketball where, you know, LeBron James can go anywhere and he's going to be successful because basketball is just a different sport. One guy can change the dynamic of a team, period. It doesn't matter. Like, one guy is that powerful. Now, you can argue the same thing as in football, absolutely, but to a certain extent, okay? Like Peyton Manning, for instance. Let's talk Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. That was a huge rivalry. Peyton Manning, I thought, and and I still do. I think he's, and I'm not even a huge Peyton Manning guy. I think he's probably one of the the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played. But he went to an erratic owner. And, you know, sometimes at the end of his career with, with Jim Caldwell was a very average to below average coach. It's hard to overcome that. I don't care how good you are. And he tried his damn, damn near best to do it. And that is tough to overcome. Look at Tom Brady. If we switch spots, do you think Tom Brady would have six rings? I love Tom Brady. Do you think he would have six rings in Indianapolis? No, he wouldn't. Things have to align. Now, you have to be a damn good quarterback to achieve that level of greatness. But things have to work in your favor. Okay, Tua. Tua was drafted by – some people say, oh, the Dolphins aren't very good. It's – all starting to come together. Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, is an amazing coach. Look how good Miami is right now. They are rolling. Why? He's a great coach. You need to have a great coach. Let's let's talk about something else that hits home, Drew Brees. Do you honestly believe that if Drew Brees went to Cincinnati, Buffalo, Detroit, Cleveland, that he'd still be Drew Brees? No. He'd be a good quarterback. Maybe he would have made a Pro Bowl. You never know. But he would not be this. He happened to go to Sean Payton, a generationally great head coach, okay? And that is what made him into Drew Brees. Now, he had to play, right? He had to be damn good, and he was, but he had to have his kingmaker. And I think Tua has that, and I think Miami is going to be damn good for years to come. They have the right coach. They're making the right moves within the draft, and just organizationally, it looks like they're trending in the right direction. And it's it sucks because... 
we love Joe and, you know, I want to see him have success. And Miami really tried hard to, to give up whatever they could to draft him. And had if Burrow was in that spot right now, I think the Miami Dolphins would be rolling. And you could very well, and, and I know this is kind of like hyperbole, and you're going to be like, oh, it's crazy. You can't say that. He could very well be the next Tom Brady and win a ton of rings because he'd have the organization to back him. So let's hit on Joe. Joe is going to struggle to have success. Now, that being if Cincinnati realizes what's going on and and changes things dramatically. But I don't know. Cincinnati has really never done that. I think they have an average coach. I don't think he's great, and I don't think he's dynamic. If he was, we would have seen it by now. Brian Flores, we saw it year one, and we're seeing it year two. You see it quickly with head coaches in the NFL. Zach Taylor is an average coach. At best. He just is. Organizationally, I mean, GM, how good? We don't know. You know, the owner is, you know, very cheap, has been for years. I think like Cincinnati, I don't know lately, but I know they were like the last, one of the last teams to, to have an indoor practice facility. And they're just super cheap. It's not a great organization. Now, I think Burrow can win games, no doubt. I think he can get to the playoffs. But there's also other factors. I mean, look at the division. Division is very tough, and it's teams that are run very well. Pittsburgh Steelers have been run very well for 40 years. And then when you look at Baltimore, another team who has been run very well. Now, Cleveland's a joke, but they're trending in the right direction. So they're not an easy team to, to overcome. I think it's just tough. And I think you got to get drafted in the right situation. For Joe's sake, I, I would just hope that they would see the writing on the walls that Taylor's probably not the right guy and they can make something, you know, make a move, right? Joe Brady would be my choice right away, no doubt. Go with him. Head coach and let's get the ball rolling. I don't think it's going to happen, and I think that Burrow's going to have to overcome a lot of crap. And, you know, will he ever achieve that level of greatness like some of the greats we've seen, like a Breeze or a Brady or a Manning? I, I, I don't know. And if you told me right now, I'd say no even though I think he'll make Pro Bowls, and I think he'll be damn good. But it's hard to overcome incompetence, and I think the Cincinnati Bengals are an incompetent franchise, whereas I think Tua is going to have a lot of success. Now, statistically, will he have that success? I don't know, but I think he's going to be damn good because his coach is good and the organization is trending in the right direction. Also, like we just talked about, I don't think their division is dynamic. What's the future of the New England Patriots? How long is Bill Belichick going to be there? They're trending in the wrong direction. Buffalo's pretty good. New York Jets are a, a dumpster fire. They're terrible. Those are things working for him. He's going to have a ton of success. He's going to win Super Bowls. Now, does that mean he's better than Burrow? Absolutely not. I take Burrow every day out of the week. But he's going to have more success because things are working for him. Then you get Justin Herbert. I kind of put him in, in the Burrow category. What has the Chargers done organizationally throughout the years that makes you think they're going to make some of the right moves? I think they have a bad coach. The owner of the of the franchise is very cheap. They're the second team in that city. I don't think there's any fanfare. I don't think anybody cares about the Chargers. Is that a factor into his success? I don't know. But just I don't think they're a great organization. I think they, they draft well. But the head coach is going to be the big question. And, you know, reportedly, they, they don't want to spend big money on a coach. That's to your detriment. And I think out of all those guys, I think physically, which I don't how much does it even mean? Physically, Herbert's the best one. He's probably, you know, uh, just straight line speed, probably the fastest. Best, you know, he's got the most arm strength. And then, you know, he's the biggest, biggest guy of them all. I mean, he's a monster, 6'6". 
but it's hard to overcome, right? If you told me top three, just talent-wise, or not even talent-wise, just how they play on the field, how much you like them at that position, who would you draft? I'd go Burrow, Herbert, Tua. But it doesn't matter because I think the third guy I would pick out of the three is the one who's going to have the most success because he has the, the, the thing, most things working in his favor. So that's kind of my, my, my take on, on the rookie QBs. And, and I'm worried for Joe because I just think it's hard to overcome incompetence. He's got a terrible O-line and average coach and an average franchise and a cheap franchise. If I were them, if I were running the organization, I'd hire a new coach next season. And you, you got to change things up because you're not trending in the right direction, in my opinion. Let's talk about the MVP race. And this is something... I said a year ago that I said my bold prediction would be Kyler Murray win the MVP because we've seen the little trend. Second-year quarterbacks, Mahomes, Lamar, they win the MVP. They took the, took the lead by storm. Kyler Murray is the greatest athlete maybe ever. And I, I've said that on previous podcasts, and I truly believe it. This guy could have played Major League Baseball. Because I, I know people are going to say, well, Bo Jackson is the greatest athlete ever. Okay, This guy is a quarterback, and you know, Bo Jackson is a running back. I think quarterback's more dynamic of position is a tougher position. And he is phenomenal. I mean, he was a Texas high school legend, never lost a, a football game in high school. And, you know, like I said, he was an unnormal American in baseball and football. He is amazing. Now, I don't think his team's great. And I think his coach is okay, but he's always a minded coach and he's going to put up numbers. I, I think they'll lose some games on the stretch, but he is going to put up sick numbers. I can tell you this. If they win that division down the stretch, it's a tough division. It's going to be close. But if they do win that division, they get hot. He's going to win the MVP because riders love good stories. Realistically, Mahomes is going to have some good numbers on the stretch, and he'll, he should be the MVP. But riders love good stories. For instance, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has never won an MVP. That's a great story. He's never even had a vote for the MVP. That's a great story. And if Russell Wilson continues to win, that narrative will be pushed. Mahomes could could light it up the next couple, you know, next, well, not a couple games, but six, seven games left. Could light it up. But that's not a good story because we already know he's great. We know he's damn good. We know all those things. How great of a story is that? It's a boring story. They love stories. Kyler Murray would be a phenomenal story. And like I said, I, that was my bold prediction uh, a year ago. I'm going to stick with it. I don't know if they win the division, but he's going to put up some serious numbers. All right, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, this is something I've said for a while, and if you say this, especially nationally, not locally or anything like that, but if you say this, you get labeled as a racist, is that I, I, I don't know what the future is for Lamar Jackson, but we've seen this before. It doesn't work, and we've seen this with you know Vince Young. We've seen this with Tebow in that you have to be able to play from the pocket. That's phenomenal if you could run, and he is a phenomenal athlete. He really is. He's a 4-3 guy, amazing. You have to throw from the pocket. You know who else is a 4-3 guy? Kyler Murray, but he can throw from the pocket. And that kind of goes back to a little side topic that I like my guys, and this, this talks about Kyler Murray, with a baseball background. Why? Mechanically, they're just sound. And, and throwing the baseball, I think, you know, it, mechanics are huge in baseball. Whereas I think, you know, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, I don't think they have baseball backgrounds. And you could tell mecha their mechanics are just flawed. When you look at a Russell Wilson and a Kyler who have played baseball, I love their throwing mechanics. That's huge. And so you got to win from the pocket because that's great. You could run this, this college spread, you know, offense. And the offensive coordinator, you know, uh, 
Roman, who was the offensive coordinator with Kaepernick in San Francisco, just remember, people caught up to that because there's only so many running plays you can call. That stuff is eventually easy to defend. It's tough to defend Mahomes. It's tough to defend Brady. It's tough to defend Breeze. you got to win big from the pocket, and he's not. Does that mean he's a complete failure? Absolutely not. He won MVP. He's won divisions. He's going to continue to have some type of success, but it's not going to be this overwhelming success that everybody believed he was going to have because he's limited. He's not a great thrower of the football. He's not. And will he ever be? Probably not. That's not his game. He is not great because of throwing the football. He's great because he's a, a phenomenal athlete. Like I said, I think he'll have some type of success. He won't be a failure. But he's not going to take the league by storm and, and you know win, win Super Bowls. I think those days are over. Finally, before we get into our top 10, you know, another, you know, top pick in the draft, Baker Mayfield, I, I think it's over. And I think his time in Cleveland, he, he'll probably be there next year, but I think that's it. And I think statistically you're seeing it. They're not using him a lot anymore. He's, th- he's very limited within the offense. They're more of a running-oriented team. You know, the bravado was great, but I think that's worn off. I don't think he's very good. And, you know, my big takeaway with him is that he, I think his days are numbered in Cleveland. And will he be labeled as a bust? I don't know. I don't know what the future of his career holds. Maybe he finds a, a kingmaker of a coach who can you know get the best out of him, maybe. But I think his days in Cleveland are done. Now, let's jump to our top 10. Let's start with number 10. I got the Vegas Raiders. Vegas Raiders have been playing really, really well. And, and I took them over Baltimore. Why? I think they've been more consistent throughout the year, whereas I think Baltimore is going to start to slip. I think Baltimore is becoming very predictable, whereas, you know, I I like teams that, you know, can do a little bit of both. And I think that's the Raiders. I think, you know, Derek Carr, although not great, is still a good uh, playmaker. And you have Josh Jacobs in the backfield running the ball well. And defense is playing well. So I got the Raiders at 10, even though I think they'll get crushed by Kansas City this weekend. And they had nine. Indianapolis Colts, once again, great offensive line play, really good defense, super limited at quarterback. Phillip Rivers is not very good at all, but really good team, and, and they had a big win against Tennessee. Really big game against Green Bay uh, coming up. That's going to be an interesting one on Sunday, but as of now, I have that number nine. At number eight, the L.A. Rams. They're, they're a very hard team to predict, but, but one thing I do know is they have a really good coach. Their defense, surprisingly, pretty damn good. Aaron Donald probably the best defender in the league, and you have the best corner in the league, Jalen Ramsey, they're, they're damn good. Now, offense, yeah, I mean, offense isn't great. Goff is okay, not a superstar. But they're going to do enough to put some points on the board. And I like what this defense is doing, so I have the Rams at number eight. At seven, Bills. Now, I know you're going to say, well, the Bills lost on Sunday to Arizona. Yeah, on a Hail Mary. That's flukish play. They were the better team on the road. And they've been a pretty good team. Like I keep saying, very, very well coached. I think Josh Allen is impressing me. Um, he really has been impressive and he's gotten better from last year, which I thought he lost that playoff game they had, but he's getting better. I like their team and I like their team moving forward to win that division. At number six, I have the Green Bay Packers. Now, there are some things that are alarming with them. They're not a very physical team and people can run on them, kind of beat them up a little bit. So that's what I want to see this weekend when they play Indianapolis, when they play a really good offensive line. That's going to be a, a hell of a game. And, and actually the Colts are favored to win that game. But Rodgers is still playing really well. Um, 
but once again, I'm kind of I'm kind of hanging my hat on Aaron Rodgers, not necessarily the whole team um, as a whole, but it's gonna be. I'm curious to see what happens this week against Indianapolis. But as of right now, I have Green Bay at six. Then you get Tampa at, at five. And I know people are gonna crap on them because the Saints beat the shit out of them, but Tampa's a really good team, and so I expect them to keep trending upwards. Tom Brady and his leadership is gonna get them over the top. No, I don't think they win the division. I think the Saints are the better team. Period. But this is still a really, really good team. They have a, a, a good defense, in my opinion. Really good weapons weapons for Brady to work with. And Brady's going to continue to get better with this offense with time. At number four, this is a, a, a big surprise. But for me, after three, you could really go with a lot of teams. But I'm going to go with the team who's playing the best right now. And that's the Miami Dolphins. You got Tua, you know, getting acclimated into this offense. He's looking really good. Now the offensive weapons aren't amazing, but they're doing a really good job. They got a defense that's playing really well. And you got a really, really good head coach. And it's going to be interesting to see who wins that division. Uh, you know, we go with Miami or Buffalo. As of right now, I'm going Miami. I think they're hot, and I think they have a damn good coach. And I think two is playing really well. Then number three, I'm going to go with the Saints. Now, people are going to say, well, what about the Drew Brees injury moving forward? We talked about it. I don't think it's that much of a detriment to the team like it would have been in past years. I think Jameis Wentz is going to do a damn good job. I really do. Now, I don't – like, what's the floor? The floor is not going to be he throws pick sixes left and right and they lose games because of him. That's not going to happen. He's not going to happen. Sean Payne's not going to allow that. The Saints are going to be fine. The defense is playing really, really well. Now, I want to see what happens with Gardner Johnson with that injury. But if everybody's healthy on defense, they're a top defense in this league. Also, I believe they're a top offensive line in this league. I know Armstead got hurt. I'm curious to see what's the injury, what's the you know report with that. But they have some things working for him. Alvin Kamara. Damn good this year. You got Michael Thomas back, Emmanuel Sanders. Curious to see how Winston kind of clicks with them. And I think the offense is going to change. It'll be a, a deep threat dynamic to this offense. And then you'll get Drew Brees back healthy at the end of the year, and the Saints will still be rolling. Then Pittsburgh at number two. Um, I like Pittsburgh. I think they're solid. Love their coach. You know, Big Ben might not be in his prime right now, but, but still playing really well. And, and for them, it's crazy how they draft receivers so well. Deontay Johnson, uh, second-year guy with uh, Toledo, I believe, stepping up really good. You got Claypool, the rookie out of Notre Dame, damn good. Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously we know him, really good. So the offense is rolling. Defense is really, really good, even though Devin Bush out for the year, very solid. So I really like Pittsburgh, and I had them at number two. But they'll never be able to overcome Kansas City, in my opinion. I think Kansas City is just easily the best team in the league. And Kansas City is just coasting. They're not a big storyline right now. Why? They know they can just turn it on whenever they want. Like this weekend, I expect them to beat the crap out of Vegas because Vegas beat them. And so that's a little something to, to, to get them fired up about. Watch them this weekend just absolutely obliterate you know Vegas. And I'm not saying by 50 points, but watch by a good two, three touchdowns. Matt Mahomes, Reed, the best combo in the league. Damn good. The defense is pretty good now. Weapons everywhere. Kansas City by far the best team in the league. Let's dive into some college football talk. LSU hasn't played in weeks. It's been since October 31st since they got embarrassed at Auburn. Since then, you had a bye week. The Bama game gets postponed. And as I'm podcasting right now, Friday morning, they're scheduled to play Arkansas tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. But reports are Arkansas has guys quarantined. Position groups are out. They're kind of in shambles right now. So in my opinion, I think the game will probably postpone, canceled, whatever you want to call it, which means to a larger point, which I've talked about, the past several weeks, and I started to realize it, is that, you know, I'm not into this season like I normally am. Obviously, with COVID-related issues, pandemic, 
it's not the same. We've talked about it. No fans in the stands, the pageantry, the fanfare, it's not there. And it's just games getting canceled, postponed. It's just, it's a crap show. And I can understand some of these teams, right? Because some people on the outside looking in are probably like, why is LSU so bad this year? And there's there's reasons. Why is Penn State so bad? Why is Michigan so bad? Why are some of these teams just, you know, up and down? And for me, it's very easy. It's motivation to play in this weird year. And what you're going to see moving forward is the top teams. When you're looking at Bama, you're looking at Clemson, Ohio State. Just watch how many blowouts are going to take place. If you're LSU, let me put you in LSU shoes. LSU just kind of came off a national championship, and then they start the year off poorly. They realize what, what's the hope for this season? There's no championship. Now you have to get tested three times a week, and you have to basically quarantine yourself and, and not go in the general public and, and do the normal things you have to do or, or you would be doing on a daily basis, you know, just things that a normal college student would do. You can't do it. Restrictions everywhere. And then on top of that, you know, like I said, reports are they had a great week of preparation. They're ready to roll. And then, bam, you can't play, which could very well happen. How do you keep the team motivated? How do you stay motivated if you're a player? You know, we've already heard, you know, Terrace Marshall, receiver, going to be a first draft pick. He had a players only meeting and, you know, kind of reports were that he he felt and other guys felt like, like guys on the team were quitting. And normally you would say, you know, that, that's BS, what's going on, that can't happen. But you could understand why in, in, this, in this circumstance. This year is just bad. And I can, I can almost understand why guys are feeling that way, why they kind of want to just opt out, why, why they're just not bought in. Even when you're trying to buy in on a week, like this, where you're hyped up for this Arkansas game. Arkansas is a pretty good team. You're an underdog going into their skim, and bam, you can't play. You prepared all week. You can't play. You haven't played since October 31st. As I'm recording, it's November 20th. I can understand why. And like I said, expect for more blowouts to happen. And then, you know, the naysayers that are going to disagree with me are going to say, well, yeah, but what about Alabama? What about Clemson? Notre Dame? What about Ohio State? What about these these teams that are rolling? Yeah. I completely understand why they're rolling. And the reason they are is because they're playing for something. But the moment teams like LSU, Penn State, and, and you name them, are out, right, out of the, the playoff contention, that's where the shit hits the fans, so to speak. Where what's your motivation? You know, it... it that's what's going to happen. And like I said, you're going to see a lot of blowouts and you're going to see separation with those top five teams, top six teams and everybody else. And that's why I'm kind of scared for LSU, why, you know, things start falling off the rails, because once again, you're trying to play these games. They get canceled on you. This could very well get canceled the day before the game. Hell, LSU could board, board a plane, get to Arkansas, and they have to cancel this game. So, like I said, I understand why. You know, guys are opting out of this and just not all bought in. And that's why I said, moving forward with LSU, I said this a couple weeks back, might as well just go with the younger guys, right? Get them the motivation to be like, all right, well, I hadn't had the playing time or a year and maybe wasn't going to get the playing time. But 
start playing those guys now, get them fired up to be in the uniform, be on the field, you know, rather than the guys that have been there for three or four years, maybe they're eyeing the NFL draft and I wouldn't blame them for leaving, right? They want to get hurt and they just don't want to put up with this nonsense. So that would be my, my feel on it is just, I can understand some of the outcomes we're seeing. Why is Penn State like 0-4? How, why is LSU so so bad this year? Michigan's bad. I just understand when you're out of the playoff contention, there's nothing to play for, then what are you doing? So that's kind of my big overall take since LSU really hadn't played a game in weeks. That would be my big overall take with LSU. Just cross your fingers they play this game. Now, I want to get into a discussion and, you know, Heisman Trophy maybe isn't as talked about this year just because of the whole, you know, like I said, the pandemic and just the season just being very different. But Kyle Trask, the quarterback in Florida, who I was wrong on, I, I didn't think he was this good. But he's pretty damn good this year. And, I, and he's kind of like my Heisman front runner, I would say, right now. I've heard the comparisons. He's having a Joe Burrow-like season, right? So we've heard those comparisons. And also the quarterback at Alabama, who's up there, too, for the Heisman, Mac Jones, is having a really good season. So we're hearing these comps, right, because Burrow had this amazing season last year, unprecedented, never seen anything like it. But I would tell you this. Yeah, I'm not a, a genius by, by any means, trust me. But if you gave me six months, all right, six-month timeline to run Amazon, to run Apple, to run Google, I think in six months I wouldn't run it into the ground. Probably not. But if you gave me two years, yeah, it would it would fall off the rails. But if you gave me six months to run a startup company and build it from the ground up, right? I'm not an extremely business savvy guy. It wouldn't go well. It'd be bad. And so I make this comparison with Burrow and especially with Trask and Mac Jones. Trask and Mac Jones, those guys are Amazon, they're Google. And let me explain. Dan Mullen, the quarterback, the, the coach at Florida, has had really good quarterbacks in the past. He's a good quarterback coach. He's a good offensive-minded coach. He had Dak Prescott. He had Tim Tebow. He had Alex Smith at Utah. He's had quarterbacks that have had a lot of success. Hell, he even had Nick Fitzgerald, who didn't even get a sniff in the NFL, who was a good quarterback for him at Mississippi State. Guy threw for 20-plus touchdowns in, in two seasons. My point with that is Joe Burrow played at LSU. And as most of you listening are LSU fans, you know that LSU is a laughing stock. Not, probably not even in college football, in football in general, because their offense was so bad and anemic for years. They were laughed. They were mocked. And in one season, they were the greatest offense in college football history. Is Coach O, you know, Andy Reid, is he Sean Payton? Is he Dan Mullen? No, absolutely not. The guy's a defensive line coach. Who is Joe Brady? A 30-year-old intern from the New Orleans Saints? Sure, we think he's a really good coach now. But Joe Burrow's play elevated him to that status. Justin Jefferson was a two-star recruit. Now, he's doing pretty damn good in the NFL. But he wasn't Devontae Smith. He wasn't Jalen Waddle. You know, he wasn't Jerry Judy. He wasn't, you know... Any of these guys at, at, at Bama. Edwards Hilaire was a three-star running back. Guy was elevated to the first round. What do you do with what you're given? What do you inherit? We've talked about that with NFL. And we've talked about it with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. We've talked about it with two and the Dolphins. What do you inherit? Joe Burrow inherited a football team who was anemic offensively. 
very bad. Just, you know, the worst reputation in college football, probably. And he elevated that that offense, that coaching staff, to heights we've never seen before. He elevated players who you thought were just good players. He elevated them to All-American status. Did you think Jamar Chase was the best receiver in college football going into last year in August? Did you think that? No, you didn't. But he elevated. And I'm not saying, I'm not crapping on Jamar Chase. He's really good, and so is Justin Jefferson. But they wouldn't be really good if TJ Finley or Max Johnson or Miles Brennan were throwing the football. That wouldn't be the case. Burrow elevated them. Now, that being said, I like Trask. And I like him because he's a precision thrower. I feel like he throws the football with a purpose, right? I love accurate passers. And he's a 70% completion guy. And I love that. And I think that he is an NFL quarterback. Now, he's he's not going to be a superstar quarterback. I think he's more the likes of Dak Prescott, right? A Dan Mullen guy. And he's going to have some success in the NFL. But he won't be superstar level. But I do like Trask a lot. And, you know, he isn't working with superstars, you know, at the wide receiver position, even though his tight end is the best tight end in football, in college football. But he's really, really good. But what do you inherit? And so when I hear this comparison with Burrow, it's laughable. It's not the same, right? I can see it. I think he's a better athlete than Trask. I just think, you know, as a mind, as a quarterback mind, I like him better. There's a lot of things I I like about Trask, but he's not Burrow. What do you inherit? Let's talk about Mac Jones. What do you inherit? I can't take him seriously after I just saw Tua set records at Alabama just the year prior. He has arguably the the best offensive coordinator in football in Steve Sarkeesian, and some would argue the best assistant coach in college football in Sarkeesian, the best coach in college football history, Weapons at his disposal, probably the best running back in college football. Before Waddle got hurt, he had the best two receivers in football, and he had a really good offensive line. He had a lot of weapons to work with, right? And they're beating the crap out of everybody, and he's just throwing deep balls to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I think he's good. But what, what, what cracks me up is the Mel Kuypers of the world are, are putting this guy in the first round. That would be a big mistake if you're in these teams. I think the guy's a good college quarterback. I think he's a backup in the NFL. That's it. I think he's talented, but he's a he's a backup quarterback in the NFL. And they're elevating him, you know, for, for what he's doing right now. But, look, I think it's very easy to see Tua had more talent than he did. And he's being elevated by a good organization, good program. So it goes back to my point. What do you inherit? Joe Burrow inherited a, inherited a startup. Hell, he, he inherited Blockbuster, essentially. What do you even do with this offense? We're complete garbage. Help us. Save us. Right? They basically told Burrow, hey, save us and bring us to the promised land. Where they're, they're telling Trask, and especially Mac Jones, look, just go have fun. We're already really damn good. We're Amazon. We're Google. We're going to be fine. Just, just don't kill us. Right? There's no barriers. It's what do you inherit. And I've always said that. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is kind of falling apart at Michigan, which bring and look, I was kind of wrong on him because I always really liked Jim Harbaugh, but yeah, it's not working. And but my my big point with schools like Michigan is is what is gonna work? Michigan is like Texas. They overrate their history. They think they have this illustrious history, but they really don't. 
they've won a couple national championships, I think, but Ohio State's way better. Ohio State's all in. Michigan is a, a really good higher level uh, educational institution, right? They aren't, you know, I would say schools in the South who are going to be a little lenient on people getting in. Um, even Ohio State just seems all in on football in that regard, in the education aspect and who gets in to their uh, university, right? And I don't know everything about Michigan, but that's what, what you read about and what you hear about. It's tougher. Obviously, there's no players in that state. There's no players in the state of Michigan. All the players in the South, hell, even Ohio has way more players than again, and they're all going to Ohio State. It's a tough place to recruit. It just is. So what what's the future of Michigan? Who are you going to hire? You could fire Harbaugh, but, but who are you going to get to go over there? You think Urban Meyer's taking a Michigan job? Hell no. So who are you going to get to replace him? What's the plan to have success, right? I think their, their max, what I would say, is a 10-win team, a 10-2 team who every fourth to fifth year has a chance to win the conference. They think they're Ohio State, though, and that's the problem is you're not. That's the same thing I'd say about, like, Tennessee. They want to just keep firing coaches because they think they're Alabama. It's not. There's not a lot of players in your state, and, you know, there's a max on what you can do at that program. I've said that about a lot of programs. They're unrealistic with who they think they are, and that's the problem with Michigan. They're unrealistic, and they don't. They think that they're Ohio State, but they're not. They're not even close, and I don't think they ever will be. They'd have to get a once-in-a-generation coach if I were them, I'd go I'd go hard after Joe Brady. Screw it. Go after a young guy, change it up, go with something different. But I'm sure they'll go with some older guy with Michigan ties because that's their thing, and it's probably not going to work out again. Let's jump to – we'll do a top five, right? We've been doing the SEC top four team. You know, sometimes we do a top ten. We're going to do a top five in college football. I'm going to start off with number five, and it's Florida. And you're going to say, well, yeah, but Florida beat – no, Texas A&M beat Florida. Why are they higher I don't go by that by just one game. It was a very tight game. I think if they play again, neutral field, I think Florida is the better team. Now, Florida's defense isn't very good, but their offense is amazing with Kyle Trask. He could very well win the Heisman Trophy. I love Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's going to be a stud at the next level. Receiver's pretty good. um, But I just love the quarterback position, and I think he is doing an amazing job. I love Dan Mullen. They got over the Georgia hump, which was big, right? I, I didn't think they would win that game because I think it's, it was just a thing with them, almost like a, a LSU-Alabama-type situation where they, I felt like they were, they were struggling to get over that hump against Georgia, but they did. So my two, I have them at five. Then at number four, Clemson. Look, I have Clemson right here and have Notre Dame ahead of them, which I'll look, Notre Dame at three. So the reason, because Notre Dame beat them, but let's be realistic. They're going to play again. Trevor Lawrence is going to be healthy, and Clemson will beat them by two or three touchdowns, in my opinion. Now, with... Notre Dame, I still say Brian Kelly should be coach of the year, and he is an amazing coach. Amazing. Because people crap on Notre Dame, and, and people just don't dive into to what's going on there. There are academic restrictions, and it's not a team. It's not, it's not like teams in the South, like I talked before, where it's just you know a lot of leniency getting into their university. It's not. And you can't get junior college guys. And there's a lot of things. There's like, you know, religious overtones. It's in, you know, rural Indiana. It's not what it used to be. It's not. It's tough to get five stars there. 
and Brian Kelly is winning on a regular basis. And then I I, I, I hate this because you're going to hear this from all the meatheads. Yeah, but every time they go to the playoff or the championship, they get destroyed, right? So, like, they played Alabama, and they got blown off the field. Yeah, like, I'm more impressed the fact that they got there. There's a ceiling with every team. Okay, they got blown out by Alabama. So what? You could say that about Ohio State, and I would be like, okay, I get you. Because Ohio State, the ceiling is the national championship. Notre Dame, that's not their ceiling. <laughs> like I said, they have restrictions left and right academically. And then rural Indiana, there's no players in that state. You know, it's tough to get five stars there. And it's impressive what he's doing. I think they're going to make the playoff. I think they're going to go undefeated throughout the regular season. I think they're going to lose to Clemson by two or three touchdowns. They're going to get into the playoff, probably play Alabama, get their doors blown off again. And then all of you who are meatheads are going to say, well, you see, they suck. They're no good. Never let them in again. Well, you know, I guarantee if they played LSU, they'd beat LSU by two or three touchdowns. You know, I think they would beat Georgia. I think they might beat Florida. They're a good football team. Yeah, okay, they're not Alabama. Who is? They're not Clemson. But they're still really good. And Brian Kelly, the job he's done is super impressive. At number two, Ohio State. I have Ohio State here just because the upside. And once again, I'm going to go back to, to, you know, the meathead people who are going to say, yeah, but they hadn't. They only played three or four games. So what are you saying? doesn't matter how many games they play. What does that matter, right? Because you're going to hear the same meathead say, well, they, they can't get into the college football playoff because they only played six, seven games. Look, I want to see the best teams play, all right? I don't – it doesn't matter how many games you play. If that's the case, then you just put Ole Miss in there. You'd put, like, I don't know, uh, Arkansas because they played more games. Why would I want to see that crap? I don't give a shit how many games they play. They're one of the best teams in, teams in the country. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I love Justin Fields. And they have a damn good roster with guys who are going to play in the NFL. They're really damn good. They have a good young coach, Ryan Day. They're at number two. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, number one is Bama. And Bama's been solid all year. Now, the Jalen Waddle injury doesn't make them as explosive, but they're still going to be damn good. And you, you keep hearing whether defense isn't as good. Look, the game has changed, okay? It's not the same as it was in 2011 when LSU beat Alabama 9-6. to Just a different game. But their defense is going to be – they remind me a lot of LSU last year. You're crapping on their defense now. But when it's time to step up and make plays, they're going to make plays. They will. They're led by Nick Saban. They're going to be fine. But this season plays right into their hands. Why? I've said it before. Nick Saban is maniacal and detail-oriented. And this is exactly what you need in this situation. There are no Alabama players on the COVID list, so to speak, right? Because it's detail-oriented. Every Right now, to play these games, to not have guys quarantined, you have to be super detail-oriented. You know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Stick to the plan at all. And that's why they're going to win the national championship this year. Because this year is a detail-oriented, disciplined year. Who's that guy? Nick Saban. He's the guy. And I think they're talented. I think they have a good quarterback. I don't think he's great. But they're going to win the SEC. Should be a good game against Florida in the SEC championship. But I like them to win it just because I think they're super detail-oriented and super disciplined.